show up to be happy hour. And also, if you are in high school and you'd like to donate to you, we'll meet you outside of the bus so you can come. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Talman. I don't need that. Good, good morning, church. We are in Exodus and we have come to the Ten Commandments. Can you all tremble in your boots for a moment? <laughs> We've come to Exodus 19 and 20, which is the, the Ten Commandments. But welcome to every nation, Ramesach, where we see lives, community, and society transformed through the word, the presence, and the power of God. We are, we are in the business of transforming nations, one soul at a time. God bless you as you join. We do have students here from MSA, and so I want to take a moment for us to pray because I know they are starting exams. If you're from another university, all good. We'll pray for you too. But let's just take a moment. Can we all, um, students, won't you just wave? I think I see we have two here. Or high school, if you're writing matric, you can wave your hand. I know you, you've been th you're thick in it. But let's, ju let's just take a moment to pray. They're not, they're not waving their hands very high. They're obviously feeling just don't even think about exams. But can we take a moment to pray for them? Lord Jesus, Father God, we just trust right now for a breakthrough in their, in their studies, Lord God. Every time they open a book, Lord God, let it be worth um, many, many hours. Every minute be worth an hour, Lord God. Every 10 minutes be worth 10 hours, Lord God. We ask as they write those papers, Lord God, that they'd be excellent in finding the right answers and giving their lecturers what they were expecting. Lord God, we thank you that you're with them, that they will feel peace the whole way through in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you. Lord, I also pray that as we continue this sermon series that you would be with us Lord God I pray for grace upon me to share your word your way and I pray grace upon every person listening to hear not just my words but to hear you speak to their hearts Lord God I ask for I ask for transformation in the hearts of everyone here today in Jesus name amen and amen so if you remember with me we are <laughs> we are at the We've, we've got Israel, and Israel was in captivity in Egypt. You remember that. They were slaves for 400 years. They've been miraculously delivered as Moses received the commissioning from God and told Pharaoh to let his people go, and they were miraculously delivered through the Passover. You remember that incredible event where the angel of death passed over Egypt and didn't touch the Israelites because they had painted the blood of the lamb on their doorposts and lintels. You remember that. And then Israel now is coming out of Egypt and they come to the Red Sea and the, the army is coming after them and God does a miracle and parts the sea and they cross over on dry land. And then last week, you remember, they've had this miraculous deliverance. They find themselves free out there in the desert. And oh my word, what do they do? They start grumbling and complaining and they start wishing they were back in Egypt. Do you remember that? And Musa so well told us last time about how how they had been indoctrinated by 400 years of living in Egypt and, and had no longer they no longer knew how to be free. They no longer knew how to be the people of God. And, and God is now has them in the wilderness and they, he's training them. He's wooing them because he wants to be their God and he wants them to be his people and he wants to dwell amongst them. And now he is, he is helping them to rid their hearts of Egyptian philosophy and to live the freedom that he is giving them. So they get out of Egypt, 
and they begin to journey in the wilderness. So they, they are in the wilderness, journeying in the wilderness for 50 days, and they come to Mount Sinai. Does Mount Sinai mean anything to any of you? Just say yes, because you know you're going to feel embarrassed if you don't. <laughs> Mount Sinai was the place where Moses met God at the burning bush. That was the very place. And remember, Moses was so concerned. When God gave him this commission, he was, oh, wow, I, I don't think I can do it. Who, how will they listen to me? And one of the promises God gave Moses to prove that this would happen, he said, you will, you will come back to this mountain with the people of Israel, and I will talk to them here. So as they come back to Mount Sinai, they have this promise from God that God is going to meet them there. 50 days into the wilderness. God does come and he speaks to Moses and he says this to Moses. He says, oh my gosh, that is so small. <laughs> he doesn't say that. Is there any way that you can make that bigger? Anyway, I'll tell you what he says, because I'm sure you can't see it. What he says is, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Exodus 19, 4 to 6. Moses hearing from God. Now, interestingly enough, Exodus 19, 20, and all the way to Exodus 31 is God's contract with the people of Israel. He's been wooing them in the wilderness, and he's been drawing them to them. And now he's saying, okay, now we are, I am going to be your God. You are going to be my people. We're going to sign a contract. We're going to sign a covenant. And it's called the Sinai Covenant, and it begins with the Ten Commandments, and this is the preamble. This is, this is God laying the foundations for the covenant he is about to give them. Yeah. He says three things. He says, I have borne you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. You know what is an interesting thing? This morning I felt like God said to me, put your computer there and do it from your computer. Now I see why. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that the formatting is wrong. And I'm so sorry that I didn't listen to him. This is a lesson. But nonetheless, I will tell you what that says. First of all, what he does is he confirms his loyal love. He says, if we're going to make a contract, if we're going to sign a covenant, I want you to understand that this covenant is birthed in love, that this covenant comes out of my love for you. And he says, I have borne you on eagle's wings. He's alluding to another thing he said in Deuteronomy 1, which is this, that through the wilderness, I carried, carried you like a father carried his son. In other words, he's founding everything on his love. He's saying, what I'm about to tell you is going to sometimes feel strict and hard, and you're not going to understand everything. I want you to know this, that even when you don't understand, you're going to have to trust this is based on my love. My love is motivating all of this. Then when he goes on and he says, obey my, my voice and you shall be my treasured possessions among all people for all the earth is mine. What is he doing? He's elevating them above the nations. This is such a picture of grace. This is such a picture of Jesus. Before, before they were anything, 
before they had done anything, before they'd even obeyed him, all they had really done is grumbled and complained. And he said, I'm going to take you and make you a great nation. I'm going to elevate you among the nations. Jesus, Paul told us how Jesus comes and takes us and he raises us up and he seats us with Jesus in heavenly places. Something you don't deserve. Something he does before you've done anything for him. He elevates you. God said, before we begin this covenant, I want you to understand it's based on my loyal love, but it's also based on the fact that I intend to elevate you. Follow me and you will be elevated. Last of all, he defines their roles. He says they're going to be priests and holy nation, a holy nation. The apostle Peter that you know so well looked back through history and he, he saw that. And he made a proclamation over the church. Do you remember it? In 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10, he says this. He says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Where do you think he got that from? Where do you think he got that from? He'd seen, as he read the Old Testament, the seeds of God's love and his covenant. And he said, if, if that covenant was based on this kind of identity, how much more is the covenant we have with Jesus Christ? You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession that you might proclaim the excellencies of God who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What does this show us? This shows us something so important. As you can see, everything in this preamble to the covenant can be found in the, in the New Testament. Why is that? Why is that? Because God is the same in the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's the wild thing. Is that God didn't somehow change in Jesus Christ. This has always been his intention to redeem everyone through his Messiah. From, from the very beginning, he's been laying the foundations and letting people know who he is and what he intends to do. Everything in the Old Testament must be looked at through the lens of the New Testament. In order to fully understand what's happening there, you can't do it until you see the culmination of his love in Jesus Christ. And you look back through that lens and you say, aha, that is what he was doing. So where we go to from here is that, you can change the slide, thank you my friends. Where we go to from here is God has said this to Moses and now he's going to do a spectacular thing. He's going to actually call the entire nation before him. The entire nation, every man, woman and child. And he's going to speak to them audibly. Think of this church. He has a spectacular mountain in the middle of the wilderness. And God calls all of Israel to him. 600,000 men it talks about. So there was probably about 2 million people drawn to the base of this mountain. He said they couldn't go on the mountain. They could just hang out at the bottom of the mountain. And he said he was going to come and speak to them audibly. The Bible says the presence of God comes down on the mountain in this great cloud. There is thunder and there is lightning and suddenly a giant trumpet sounds. 
and the voice of God booms out over two million plus people. Every single person hearing the Ten Commandments for themselves. This wasn't something that was given to them only on a tablet. Of course it was. Later he went up and he got the tablets and he brought them down. But they heard it with their own ears. Why? Because they were his people. And this was God's intention right from the beginning. That he would dwell amongst his people and that every man, woman, and child would hear his voice. Every person called by his name would have a relationship with him. That, that they would be hearing his commandments, his intents, his thoughts. And they would be carved onto their hearts because they were hearing it for themselves. This was God's intention. So as we look at it, he now begins to speak the Ten Commandments. How many of you know the Ten Commandments? We know of the Ten Commandments. Could you say the Ten Commandments? <laughs> I was going to say, turn to your neighbor and tell them the Ten Commandments, but we're not going to go there. The nice thing is you could probably say whatever you wanted to, they wouldn't know. That's the sad part of our society today, is that probably they wouldn't know. But the Ten Commandments are the bedrock of God's pact with his people, God's way of living with his people. But what people don't understand very often is they, they look at the Ten Commandments and they think it's just a set of rules. I, I bet you you thought that. I, I feel like I grew up thoughting, thinking that, thoughting that. <laughs> that there were these ten, these ten rules that you just had to live by. If you didn't live by, then God was going to smite you with lightning and that was the end. I mean, how many of you had that idea? I did. I can see I'm just in the minority. The rest of you were much better educated than me. <laughs> but had this, have, we have this idea about the Ten Commandments. But that's not at all. That's why God began with this preamble, because he looked down history and, th and said, they're going to get me all wrong. So I'm going I'm to make sure that I put in there that I'm saying this because I love you. I'm saying this because I want to elevate you. The Ten Commandments are so much more than just a rule, set of rules and regulations. The Ten Commandments are God making space for himself amongst the people so he can dwell with them. The Ten Commandments are God carving out in the hearts of men and women the, the understanding of who he is. The Ten Commandments are God carving in the lifestyle of a, so a society practices that would allow his presence to be seen amongst them. From the beginning, this is God's intention, to dwell with you and me, to dwell with nations, to dwell with people. Everything, everything about the Bible from start to finish is orientated towards this one thing. Everything. And if you read it outside of that understanding, you will miss the point of half of what's happening. You will think it's just legalism. You'll think it's just rules and regulations. No. No. This is like... This is a very mundane example. But this, this is like me saying to Andrew, uh, we married now. Darling, you know what? It would be so great. It would be so great if you could just pick up your socks. <laughs> now he's pointing at me and he's saying, who leaves your socks? Who leaves the socks around, really? <laughs> my, my piles of stuff are notorious. But anyway... It's basically what, it, what it's saying. It's, it's carving out the relationship of how we're going to live together. 
So he starts out and he says, the first commandment, you shall have no other gods among you. Does this sound familiar? Does it sound like a, a marriage covenant? <laughs> We're saying it's you and you only, you and me, just us. That's what he's saying. You shall have no other gods before you. You shall no, uh, have no other gods before you. And what kind of space is he making? He's, he's guarding and preserving his authority in their midst. Because he understands this. Guys, you know what? In the New Testament, it's just the same. It's just the same. Peter stands up at Pentecost and he says this. Let it be known to all Israel that this Jesus whom you crucified is not just your Messiah, but he's your, he is. God has made him Lord and Christ. Lord and Messiah. King of all and your Savior. You can't be saved until Jesus is Lord. What is so great about this? is that what he's saying is he's saying, put me first, make me the only one, and everything else will fall into place. Jesus' Lord was the battle cry of the New Testament, of the early church. What was their message? Jesus is Lord. He's conquered sin and death. He's over everything. Everything complies with him. Come, make him Lord, and all of your life will fall into place. Jesus is Lord. God is God and there is no other, is the st true statement of Christianity, is the true station, statement of Yahweh worship. Let's look at the second one, which is on the next slide. And if we don't have it there, I will just read it to you. You're thinking, I know what you're thinking, man, she's going so slowly. If we have to do 10 commandments, we're going to be dead. We're going to be here till supper. I'm only doing the four, first four commandments because after the first four commandments are about God's relationship with his people. The next six commandments are about the so how society organizes itself. And I'm going to give you an understanding of that just before this. I close on the six commandments, the last six commandments, but I'm not going to teach on them but want to invite you if you want to I did teach on them for the online sermon it's too long that so I realized don't do that in person so you can go to our online to YouTube and find out about the last six if you want to I'm just going to handle the four, first four this time so the second one is you shall not make a carved image not a carved image of anything and, you know, this, this was more than don't worship idols. This was because, you know, when they, when they we're going to get to it soon, when they made the golden calf, they disobeyed this terribly, and they made a golden calf which uh, they wanted to, to worship. You know, when, when they were worshiping this golden calf, they weren't, like, worshiping one of the Egyptian gods. I hope you understand this. They called that golden calf that they made Yahweh. In other words, he's saying it's not just that you... I want you, me as your only God. I just, I don't want you to make an image of me. I don't want you to find a way to think about, oh, God is like a cow. Let's make a cow and worship that. Because, you know, the ancients of that time, they felt like when they were worshiping a God, they made an idol and all of the essence of that God would come and live in the idol and that actually was the God. But God was saying, God was saying this, no matter what image you create of me, it's going to be inferior to who I really am. So in essence, he was saying, don't limit me. Yeah. 
don't, don't put me in a box of your finite understanding. Because here's the bottom line that will always restrict me. No matter what parameters you put on me, no matter what description you make of me, it will always limit me. So what is he guarding in their midst? He's guarding possibility. He's guarding the miraculous. He's guarding those out-of-the-box um, solutions to those terrible problems. He's saying, if you, if you limit me to an image, you will stunt what I can do in your life. We see this so beautifully portrayed in the New Testament Jesus made this crazy statement and he said, it is harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. You've all heard that. We've all trembled in our boots and think, oh, my bank balance, am I okay? Can I make it? <laughs> the wild thing is he went after, right after that and said this. He said, he said with man this is impossible. They said, who then can be saved? He went right after that and he said, with man this is impossible. But with God, anything is possible. Amen. What is he saying? It's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than a camel to go through either needle. It's probably harder for a poor man to enter the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to go through an eye of needle, to be honest. I mean, it's impossible for anyone to enter the kingdom of heaven, but he was going to make a way. He was going to go through the eye of the needle for you so that everyone has access. What is he saying? These things are impossible for mankind. We can't figure out a solution. We can't make a way. We can't heal our societies. We can't make ourselves better, but he can. Don't limit him. There is always a solution. There's always a way out. There is always a miraculous provision. There is always something good about to happen. Don't limit God to your finite understanding of what he can be. Don't make a carved image. Next one. Next one. It's a really good one. The next one is coming right up. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Verse 7. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. My friends. This is not just using the name of God as a swear word. Which is bad and you should not do it. But it is not just that. What is God doing here? I'm going to give you an example. I was speaking to a, a friend recently, and she talked about how she loved her husband, but, you know, things in marriage were getting a bit mundane. You know, it was just, it was just same old, same old every day. And, yeah, you know, she just... It, has anyone here felt a little bored in your marriage ever? Don't raise your hand. Just think <laughs> about it. Yeah, if your spouse is next to you, just say no out loud very, very strongly and emphatically. She, she then said, but then we went to a work function, and he was doing a presentation. 
and I was sitting at the table, and this man stood up, and he was so strong and powerful and glorious, and oh my word, right there, I fell in love with him all over again. <laughs> and, and what I, I'm saying is that sometimes when you become familiar with something, you can forget who they really are. And when God was saying, don't take my name in vain, what is he preserving? He's, he's saying, of course, don't use his name as a swear word, but he's also saying, don't just, don't just bring me down to the mundane everything. Don't just let, let, don't take me for granted. Don't take me for granted. You remember that very famous statement that was made by, or that understanding made in, in Mark 6, where it said this, it says this, that, Jesus was in his hometown and he said, a prophet always receives honor except when he's in his hometown. And then he went on, goes on and says, no miraculous sign could be done by him there except heal a few people, which feels like a miraculous sign to me. But anyway, <laughs> clearly it wasn't what he was doing in other places. Why? Because in that place they had become so familiar with Jesus. That's just Jesus. He's just one of us. He's just ordinary every day. And God, in saying, you shall not take my name in vain, he's preserving in their society the sense of awe and wonder of who God is. Why? So that he can preserve the possibility of the miraculous in your life. And so often I hear, you know, guys, Jesus is our best friend. Oh my word, he is so our best friend. But he's also the creator of the universe. He's also the king of all. He's all, also the Lord above everything. And to the degree that you become overly familiar with the things of God and forget to exercise awe and wonder in who he is, is the degree to which mir miracles will flee from your life. This red line I have to stay behind, and it's very tough. <laughs> I'm doing my best. <laughs> but God is asking him Israel and us to preserve awe and wonder. When we come into worship on a Sunday, it's so much more than singing songs. What we are doing is we are reminding our hearts of the bigness of God so that we can preserve the possibility of the miraculous in our lives. Hebrews 2 verse 3 talks about this great salvation. Such a great salvation. Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten? what you were before you met Jesus. Let's keep in remembrance the glory of what he has really done in our lives. Commandment number four is to keep the Sabbath holy. And this is all about our relationship with God because God was saying, you can work for six days, but I want the seventh day. And what is he preserving in this moment? He was preserving faith because he knew what mankind is like. Is we would work and work and work and we would have success and we'd say, aren't we great? Aren't we great? And he said, no, test me on this. Just don't, don't work one day. Let's see. Let's see what happens. You'll, you'll still succeed and you will succeed even more if you'd, than if you'd worked seven days. Why? Because that's who I am. I'm the God that works on your behalf. I'm the God who works when you can't work. I'm the God who has already gone before you and made it a reality. What was he saying? If you give me a day, I will give you my kingdom. He's creating faith in our hearts that it's not all about our work. The tithe is the very same thing. 
He says, give me the first 10%. I mean, who, who, what kind of financial plan is that? <laughs> give away the first 10% of everything you earn. I mean, it's completely counterintuitive. It's like, how will that work? God's saying, test me. We even heard that this morning in Malachi. Test me on this. Let me show you that your success is not all about how much you can work. Your success is not all about what you can do. Your success is about your commitment to me, your trust and your faith in me as a good God, as a great providing father. We've come to the end of the first four commandments. The next six commandments, interestingly enough, I would love you to go and listen to that podcast. I think it will really bless you. I'm not going to go into them. But the next six commandments go like this. Honor your mother and your father. Verse 12. Verse 13, you shall not murder. Verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. Verse 15, you shall not steal. Verse 16, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And number 17, you shall not covet. What is he doing? God is giving Israelite society practices that will build pillars of his goodness in their society, that will facilitate the moving of his goodness in society, that will, that will mean their society will, will function well. He is preserving in their midst. He is laying the foundation of the institution of family. He is laying in their society the institution of the sanctity of life. He is laying in their, fa in their um, society the foundation of monogamy. He is laying in their, in their society the foundation of private property, of trust, and of abundance. And when any society lives by these principles and puts practices in place that reinforce those truths, that society will prosper. So what was he doing? He was elevating them amongst the nations. He was giving them practices that would make their nations stand out head and shoulders above the nations about around them. And I guess that's got to make you think, Lord, let our society put those practices into place also. God is speaking his love to the world through us as he makes space for himself in our midst through Jesus. God, through the Ten Commandments, was making space for himself in the nation of Israel. He was speaking love and ordering their society so that he could dwell amongst them and so that his ways could be seen amongst the nations. As I close, I want to pray for this. I wanna, you know, as I, as I was doing the sermon, <sighs> I felt convicted about a lot of things. I began to just realize that so often I'm not making space for God in my life. That I'm not, it's not that I'm violating these principles on a daily basis, but I, but I am to some degree not understanding God's intention with me. And so even when I have a Sabbath, when I have a rest day, it's filled with other things. 
the Sabbath, biblically a Sabbath, is a time of abstaining from work and engaging in corporate worship with the other people of God to make Jesus God the center of all your thinking. I I realize that there's there's so many things that I I have allowed to crowd into my life. And I guess what I want to ask of us is, are we making space? Are we making space for God in our lives? We've all said yes to Jesus, but are we like allowing him to be with us? The solemn looks on your face is worrying me. <laughs> so Lord Jesus, I'm asking right now that you would come. I'm going to ask if the worship team could come up again. I'm asking that you would come and, Lord, just as you reiterated, you reiterated, Lord, that you would, that you were reminding of us of your loyal love, that you're elevating us above the nations, that you were calling us to a role as priests and kings before you. And in so doing, Lord God, I'm asking, I'm asking that as we remember those principles, that we allow you to move what needs to be moved from our lives and to add what needs to be added to our lives so that there's space for you. There's a place for you so that we can grow in relationship with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's a lady, one, two, three, four, five rows back. You're in a blue shirt. You've got your head bowed. So anyone with a head bowed, look up at me. <laughs> you. I, d- I feel like God has something he wants to say to you, my friend. I hear him saying to you that there has been a, there's been some warfare in your own soul of late. That there's been some, some consternation, some things that have really worried you. And yet I hear the Lord saying this, my daughter, I have gone before you. Indeed, I am a warrior on your behalf. Indeed, I have accomplished. Before, before you even prayed, I heard and I went. I hear him saying this, that, that many of your prayers that you have prayed for your children, I assume those are your children next to you, for your children, for your family, you, you have wondered about their fulfillment. And I hear the Lord saying, not one of those prayers have fallen to the ground, for I indeed have heard them. And I hear him saying this, that there is blessing in the generations to come from you, so much more than the generations that have gone before. Not that the generations that have gone before have been bad, but I hear the Lord saying there is goodness and ever-increasing goodness in your future. And even when those lies crowd in to try and tell you that there is no hope, that things are difficult, that it's just going to be the same, that it's going to be going around this mountain again, I hear the Lord saying, I have put a line in the sand and I will not go back over it, nor will I allow the blessings of God to go backwards over that in your life or in your subsequent generations. Amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you. Let's give the Lord a hand. There's a lady you're wearing, you're wearing a, a head covering with black and gold diagonal stripes. Yes, you. I hear the Lord speaking to you, my friend. I hear him saying this, that there's been faithfulness. You have shown so much faithfulness in the last 
wild. You have, been, you have been diligent to run after the things of God. You have been diligent to position your life in a way that will bring about God's blessing. And I hear the Lord saying, your, your faithfulness has come up before him. Your faithful has, faithfulness has become known. That there is a place of him answering the cries of your heart. There's a place of him stepping down into your life in greater measure. I hear the Lord saying that there, there, there is financial, there's a financial miracle on the way for you that will surprise you and overwhelm you. I hear him saying that there is favor surrounding you like a shield. There have been some relationships that have been difficult of late. I hear him saying, I am pressing into those relationships to bring breakthrough. And I am going to do it because of the favor of God that rests on you. When you stand in those relationships, people are not going to just see you. They're going to hear the words of Jesus. They're going to see the love of God. And as a result, their hearts are going to melt. Their attitudes are going to change and things are going to be different. Thank you, Lord. We just bless this woman in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. And last of all, I'm going to ask if we can Worship team, you're going to go for it in about one minute. I just want to ask if we could just bow our heads. Lord, we want to make space for you. But Lord God, there are some people here that, that have, have not actually said yes to Jesus. Lord God, they've been around Christianity and they've been hanging around the things of God, but they, they haven't actually made the step to say, Jesus, I want you as Lord of all. They're not necessarily bad people, Lord God, but they, they've been... They've been in limbo and they've been kind of with one foot in one world and one foot in another world. And Lord God, I, I just really commend them to you for being here today. But Lord God, I know you're, you're calling them right now and you're calling them out of darkness into your marvelous light. As we shared, Lord God, that they would stand up as priests and kings in your kingdom, elevated among, among the nations. Lord God, and I'm asking, Lord God, that right now you would speak to them. Lord God, you would let them know that there is so much more to their lives than what they're living right now. And Father God, they would see, see and hear the invitation that you're extending them to your kingdom and to make Jesus Lord of all. And if you are here and you are feeling that prompt, I'm going to ask you if we can just all pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, I come to you and I submit my life to you. Lord, I ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I'm not going to make you stand up, make a speech, raise your hand or anything, but I am going to ask you if you made a decision today, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I'm going to ask you if you wouldn't mind filling this little form in and you could... You can just leave it on your chair. If you're a visitor, could you fill it in and just say, um, I'm, we're interested in knowing more about the church. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, would you fill it in and would you just mark that you may have decided to follow Jesus? If you would like to be connected into the community of this church, just mark there that you'd like to be a part of a connect group or anything else you want to write on there, you're welcome to. You can just leave it on your seat. The ushers will collect it afterwards and we'll contact you during the week. God bless you. Holy Spirit, we just invite you here. We're going to close. We're going to close with a blessing. Can we do that? I'm going to invite you to all stand up.
as we were singing, and I just heard the Lord saying this over this church. I have called you, as the city said on the hill, I have called you to proclaim my excellencies as I have called you out of darkness into my marvelous light. I have called you to be my mouthpiece. I have called you to stand up and unashamedly declare the message of Jesus Christ. I have called you to carry my blessings. I will make the nations around you stand with their mouths open at the glory and the goodness of God that rests on you. I am speaking right now into not only the finances of the church, but the finances of the individuals. And I am declaring that this will be a place of blessing. I am declaring right now that this will be a place of abundance. I am declaring right now that this will be a place where your obedience will yield great breakthrough. I am declaring right now that every single one of you, I am calling you to a higher place. I'm calling you to a place of consecration. And as you come and stand before me, indeed, I will do it. I will do it. And it will not be. It will not be because you worked hard. It will not be because you were smart. It will not be because you wear the right clothes. It will be because I am God and I am your God. And I will not be stopped for I have said it and I will do it. God bless you, Lord. Thank you, Father. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, please won't you just raise your hand where you are. Stay at your seat and we have a, a ministry team that will come under Jubeko who will come and pray for you. They'll pray behind you. Um, otherwise, have a really glorious time this week. Follow Jesus. He won't let you down. God bless you.